a political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda, understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Okay. Oh, so I'm live. Oh, hey, wow. Hello, everybody. My name is Sean Astin, and we are here live at the Toad Hop Network, Universal Studio City Walk in the John Lovitz Comedy Club, following Heidi and Frank. I mean, you can't follow Heidi and Frank, but uh, but here I am trying. Uh, my name is Sean Astin. I am your host. Thank you for joining us for the next two whole hours. Oh, sorry. No. Hey, it's going to be great, people. We got some good stuff for you today. It's been a... Uh, one week since you looked at me. No, that's not right. It has been uh, it's been a heck of a week for old Shawnee boy trying to put the show together. Um, so many things going on. So much to think about. I've got uh, three more pieces of the Rosalind Wyman interview that I'm excited to share. I actually got uh, David Bose, the conservative talk show host, uh, radio host in. Uh, in Seattle, on the uh, strength of Michael Medved's recommendation, he was kind enough to give me some minutes. So we've got a, I got an interview with him, and I picked a uh, a topic. I finally picked a topic. I was late in picking it this week, which I'm embarrassed about. But hey, summer's starting. The kids are getting out of school. What are you going to do? Uh, the topic I chose was facts. Facts. I said it to my wife, and she just looked at me. And like those cartoons with the white eyes blinking in the dark, <laughs> blink, 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 blink. And I said, yeah, facts. And she said, uh, it's pretty broad. <laughs> uh, and then I talked to uh, Mackenzie Mack, who is the occasional, uh, occasional co-host, guest host, and, uh, and uh, one of the producers of the show. And he said, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> Or something to that effect, uh, but then he was very helpful pulling some things for uh, for me for us, and um, and that's it. What are facts? What is a fact? Uh, what is an opinion? What is what is a fact relative to an opinion? What is uh, how do we use facts? I mean, everybody knows what a fact is. It's a thing, you know. It's a, a piece of data, um, something that everyone has to agree upon because it's inarguably true. Okay, well, great. That was a great topic for this week. <sighs> Not sure where we're going to go from there. Except to say that wait until you see some of the ways in which even the very notion of what a fact is is bent and twisted and um, used as a tool, uh, both for good and for ill. Um, with uh, throughout the show today, we're gonna so we're gonna focus on we're gonna focus on that. Uh, what's you know how, what can we agree upon? Can we agree upon anything when it comes to facts? But in a political uh, discourse, particularly in a presidential political season, um, uh, I have uh, Gint. I want to look. Can you hear me, Gint? I want to know if you have Max cartoons loaded up, and we have the ability to go to them. Almost okay. Make sure you let me know when we get that, because uh, Mac was really uh, cool and pulled out some. Uh, uh, Political cartoons dealing with the nature of facts. Um, so, and I really want people to call in. Obviously, I want people to call in 888 520 4374. We're going to go to the phones when I see you lit up there. And um, 
and have a little bit of fun. I don't I don't know. You know, I really was I failed on on tweeting this week. I really was uh behind the the curve, behind the eight ball, behind the fence, behind something or other. And um I I just didn't I didn't get it out there. The only thing I was able to tweet was that I have a very special guest who's going to come in and and host a little with uh with me towards the end of the show or whenever uh this person wants to do that. So you are in for a treat. Uh I expect the ratings will soar. Um skyrocket as a result of having this particular individual uh, come in and, and share insight and uh, a little wit and wisdom and uh, a repartee. Uh, so, so let me just say that one of the things about facts, um, it, oh, God, it's so, uh, I really, today one of the things that's going to be really good is we've pulled some good visuals, and I want the visuals to work in timing with the show. So I'm, I'm waiting for them to just get them all finally loaded up because I was late in getting them to them, but because um, uh, I, I want to play those at the same time. Um, we'll go to, um, hmm, see, I can't pull it up here. All right, you know what the thing to do is to pull up, um, uh, we, we looked at, I asked Mac to do some looking about these fact-checking um, sites. You know, you always hear about factcheck.org or, uh, or, or uh, you know, uh, PolitiFact or these kind of things. And I, you know, every time I hear that, I'm a sophisticated guy a little bit sometimes. Once in a while, I like to mix it up a little bit. And... Uh, you know, I don't even know. I don't know how they work. I, you know, I I've been in a thousand political conversations, arguments, debates, and spewing out my my belief of things, or or inter, you know, taking bullet points from a campaign, um, you know, directive and and running with it, and you know, having a, a pretty good sense that the the facts were were accurate, that we weren't spinning stuff. But there's what I've come to realize when when studying this issue of uh, how we use facts in political life, you realize, you know, it's the thread. Once you pull at the thread, be careful, because the entire sweater will unravel, and you find yourself not knowing what what to think, who to trust. You know, even, even people you agree with, all of a sudden you start hearing their presentation of the facts a little with a little bit of skepticism. Um, let me go ahead. I'm going to start out with a, a slightly... Should I start out comedy or should I start out kind of serious? I'm going to start out a little bit serious. There, there was an NPR piece that I found that came out in 2010, and I have it in two two bits. This first one's about 90 seconds, uh, and I'm going to just play it because I think it helps frame our discussion. Um, so here, listen to this. This is Talk of the Nation. I'm Neil Conan in Washington. We'd like to believe that most of what we know is accurate and that if presented with facts to prove we're wrong we would sheepishly accept the truth and change our views accordingly. A new body of research out of the University of Michigan suggests that's not what happens, that we base our opinions on beliefs, and when presented with contradictory facts, we adhere to our original belief even more strongly. The phenomenon is called backfire, and it plays an especially important role in how we shape and solidify our beliefs on immigration, the president's place of birth, welfare, and other highly partisan issues. We begin with Dana Milbank, national political columnist. There's the NPR logo. Who joins us from the studio at the newspaper here in Washington. Nice to have you back on the program. 
Good to be with you, Neil. Uh, there are any number of uh, stories about the immigration issue, which is really hot right now, but uh, border violence on the rise, Phoenix becoming the world's number two kidnapping capital, illegal immigrants responsible for most police killings. Uh, the majority of those who are crossing the border are doing so as drug mules, and you say, all wrong. Uh, yes, in, in each of those cases. Now, the, the drug mules was, again, uh, uh, Governor Brewer. No. And the facts, as you suggest, are not elusive here. Uh, the, the issue about crime rates and the border uh, counties has been, uh, you, uh, you suggest, exhaustively reported in the major newspaper in that state. They have been, and the, uh, the FBI keeps uh, statistics on this. And the, the, the fact is that uh, uh, violence is flat to slightly lower uh, than it was a decade or even uh, two decades ago. But uh, when this is pointed out, uh, the president uh, uh, said as much in his speech, uh, people uh, get indignant uh, and they, are, they respond with anecdotes like uh, such and such rancher was killed in March or this trooper was uh, shot in April. Now, these things are true, but of course the uh, anecdotes don't, don't by themselves don't prove that there is actually uh, more crime than there was previously. And then the response to the story has been uh, very, uh, very much the same, just sort of like uh, angry. They suggest that I'm making up the facts, but I, I just, you know, pulled them from the from the FBI website. Now, I guess the FBI could be making up the facts, but I, I don't know how far we can take this. So there you go. There you go. I can I can hear it from all sides. You know, I can uh, my, my friends in the uh, southwestern states, I can just feel their blood boiling listening to that. The guy says he goes to the FBI website, pulls out facts, sets them up. Uh, <laughs> what do you do with that factor opinion? <laughs> oh, get that's funny, man. That's funny. Throw up. Uh, well, you do. You just write it. It's funny. We, I'm telling you, we've got so many images to play with now. It's it's really we're turning it into a visual experience as well as an audio experience for the for the audience, for the listening viewing audience. Um, so so that's it. You know, do you uh, my, when I'm listening to that with a critical ear, I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to go to the FBI website. And I'm going to go to the FBI website, and am I going to be able to find the numbers? Is it going to be a graph, very simply laid out the way he's described it? Can I find it? And then am I going to think that that is somehow manufactured with a political opinion because it was put forward from a, a Federal Bureau of Investigation under a Democratic administration? who, you know, has a more liberal view towards towards those things, uh, you know. Um, so in the, what, he, what the guy said at the end is like, you know, how far can you go? How far can you go to, uh, you know, I find the tone of, of voice that those guys use is uh, really grating and annoying and condescending. Like, okay, you learned, how to, you learned how to look something up. You made an argument. You found a case to make that, you know, people and facts don't agree with each other all the time. But, and, but instead of... Uh, having a tone of like really wanting people to understand like listen he here's the thing we say this people use these anecdotes they feel them strongly and then we look we get a piece of information from the from the FBI or, or that that show a different picture how do we really get to understanding so we can decide where to allocate resources well that's not what they do they just lean back on their haunches and they go like well you know people are they 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 want to you know, they, they believe one thing, they hear a fact, they're just going to believe it all the more. I'm going to go ahead and play the second piece of the uh, N NPR logo. I don't know if, Gint, if you're back there as well, because now we're going to, I'm going to, the, the guys who are talking, we have Neil Conan and, and Milbank and Brendan, these guys um, 
actually have their pictures in our file. So you can throw those up alongside the uh, NPR News thing. When, well, Brendan we Nyan is a health policy researcher at the University of Michigan. He recently published, When Corrections Fail the Persistence of Political Misperceptions. Um, this is a phenomenon described as a backfire. You say it's a natural defense mechanism to avoid cognitive dissonance. That's right. It, it, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's threatening to us to admit that things we believe are, are wrong. And, and all of us liberals and conservatives, you know, have some beliefs that, that aren't true. And, and when we find that out, you know, it, it's, it's threatening to our, to our beliefs in ourselves. And, and so what we think happens is that the way people, uh, you know, try to resolve this in some cases is to, you know, buttress that belief that they initially held. And, uh, you know, there's a long line of research showing results like that. Our brain is sort of hardwired to leap to conclusions very quickly. That's right. And, and what's interesting is in some of these cases, it's the people uh, who are most sophisticated who are best able to defend their beliefs and keep coming up with more elaborate reasons why 9-11 was really a conspiracy or how the weapons of mass destruction were actually smuggled to Syria or whatever the case may be. Well, the problem is, is you know, as human beings, we, we want to believe, you know, the things that we already believe. And so when you hear some information that contradicts your pre-existing views, um, unfortunately, what we tend to do is think of why we believed those things in the first place. And, uh, you know, so when, you know, we get these corrections, we tend to say, I'm right, and I'm going to stick with my view. Um, and the thing that my research, which is with uh, Jason Rifor at Georgia State University, found is that in some cases that corrective information can actually make the problem worse. So some people who read Dana's article about immigration may actually have come away from it more strongly committed to the belief that crime has gone up the other picture uh, too, along though. the border. Well, Brendan Nyan is a health policy researcher. All right, so, you know, that is a, a very erudite, uh, academic... Um, I don't know if it was peer-reviewed. I'm not even sure I understand what peer-reviewed means other than somebody who does what you do at the same time looks at it and grudgingly agrees that you've gotten something right. <laughs> um, but anyhow, apparently it's important at uh, getting people to go in agreement that something is legitimate. Um, but I'm listening to this guy ta talking from with his university study with his partner, and I'm thinking, and he's saying that the more sophisticated you are, the more intensely, the more effective you'll be at talking yourself out of facts, out of, you know, acknowledging the validity of a given fact that doesn't line up with your viewpoint. And the whole time he's, the whole time he's doing, he's saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder how they did that study. You know, was it a double blind study? Was it, you know, what, how did he, you know, who paid for the study? What kind, is it a liberal institution he's studying from? Like what, you know, and I'm, so, and I think we do that with everything. I think we do that with everything. I think we just um, come from a particular point of view and we look for information that will uh, support our cause. I have open here next to me, and, you know, I'd love it if you'd call in uh, and say, you know, here's a fact I think you should know, you know, and, and let me be the judge of whether or not it's an actual fact uh, or or if you're, uh, you're joshing me. Um, or explain why... You think your understanding of the facts is is stronger than your, um, you know, political, philosophical, uh, you know, opponent, adversary, you know, friend might be. Why? Why? What does your friend do wrong with the way he's giving you facts? Does he just cherry pick them out of nowhere? You know, 
And, you know, we all know that it's it's so hard in a conversation when somebody says, you know, well, you know, 4,000. Uh, OK, great. Thank you. You know, four, four, there's four thousand. The Russians landed. Everyone knows that the Russians landed on the border of Mexico in 1949, right before the real, you know, the Cold War kicked off. Now, I'm just making this stuff up, but, you know, I've said it. So now for the rest of your life. You, you, those of you who heard me just do that little brain fart, you're like, oh my gosh, how are you going to purge your brain from this concept that Russians in 1949, like, you know, and you, you get people in a conversation or people just flat out lie to you. They'll look you in the face and you'll be having a conversation about why, you know, a store that opened across the street that's not a chain store has every right to be there and something or other. And, and somebody will just say something about a promise of politician, I, whatever it is. And you can't, you're just stuck. You're like, what? I can't, you know, okay. You concede the point, you storm out. What do you do? You know, and and if and people take advantage of uh those who might be gracious in a conversation. You know, somebody says something that's totally outrageous. They they invoke a fact that doesn't exist or that is being totally distorted or whatever. And you know, you, you could say like, "Geez, you know, I, I, you, you're that's not true. What you just said, I disagree with you." But then you have to defend it, and sometimes like it takes work to defend the proof that the fallacious fact doesn't have basis, and uh, and a lot of people um, punt. You know, they walk away shaking their heads, they smile and nod, but inside they're going, I disagree with this person. You walk away, and you're no closer to understanding. You're no, no closer to understanding. I've got open in front of me um, the uh, factcheck.org, a project of the Annenberg Public Policy Center. Um, I'm looking at some of the featured articles, and one says... Uh, outsourced jobs to India. Obama twists Romney's economic record. Obama campaign ad takes aim at Romney's time as Massachusetts governor. A new ad from the Obama campaign takes uh, aim at Mitt Romney's performance as a governor in Massachusetts, claiming he had one, quote, one of the worst economic records in the country, end quote. But, says PolitiFact, oh, fact check, I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fact check is um, it overreaches. The ad overreaches with several of its claims. The ad states that job creation, it goes on and on. And right below that is a graph, sort of, I'm not sure what it's representing there. It's these yellow, red ascending bars, kind of like a, you'd get on a sprint cell thing, and then, and then it blew up top. And it says, Obama's spending, inferno or not? Spending is high by historical standards, but rising slowly and revenues are low. Uh, it says, is President Obama's spending an inferno, as Mitt Romney claims, or a binge that never happened as an analysis, as an, an analysis sorry, uh, touted by the White House concluded? Uh, we judge that both of those claims are wrong on the facts. The truth is that nearly 18% spike in spending, and it goes on from there. Uh, and we, I could, you know, we could get into the details of it if we, if somebody really is into it, and we could argue, you know, have a good fun argument about, you know, who, can you assign responsibility to the governor of that state? I mean, when when does when do his policies come online? 
because sur- surely there were things there beforehand that were, you know, coming to fruition, problems that were festering, you know, positive things that were taking effect. You know, with Clinton, uh, you know, and and that, you know, there, it's just the age-old debate about where to assign responsibility and who gets credit and that and that kind of stuff. But I, but I think it's interesting. I don't know factcheck.org. I hear it quoted all the time on Rachel Maddow, and um, but I, I certainly like the fact that right on their homepage they show you something that you know bangs on Obama and another one that bangs on Mitt Romney. So in my binary way of thinking, I go okay. Well, maybe they're fair. They seem kind of fair to me. Romney's jobs record is best or worst. You need the campaign ad. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I suppose as a, you know, there's a distinction that needs to be made between someone who's, you know, actively campaigning and supporting and endorsing someone and somebody who's in the process of trying to decide. Um, and maybe both of those things can be happening simultaneously, but... They, sh- they certainly seem. They certainly seem, in my experience, to be uh, pretty severely located in a person at a time. One one of those things is is pretty intense at a time. Is what I'm trying to say. So we'll come back in a little bit. I got some fun stuff. We got some more serious stuff. Thanks for listening to APR uh, NPR on the Fox Popular Radio Show. We'll see you after the break. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's up, Toad Heads? It's Frank Kramer, Heidi Hamilton. Hey, everybody. From the Heidi and Frank Show. Reminding you that if you have satellite radio, you can check us out every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Extreme Talk Channel 165. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern? Uh, on the East Coast, yeah, on Extreme Talk XM 165. And if you don't have satellite radio, well, you're on the Toad Hop Network, so why not check out the Heidi and Frank Show? The backbone of the whole thing. 10 a.m. to noon every single week. The premium package. But you can listen for free every day, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Check us out, HeidiandFrank.com. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Welcome back to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. We are back from that extended 15-second break. Um, I have something that I want to play, but Gint's going to throw the picture up there real quick. Uh, what do you, give me an ETA, Gint. What do you think? Uh, 10 seconds? 30? 5, 10 seconds? Okay. Here it comes. Facts. Facts. Data. Information. How much can we absorb? And how fast can we absorb it? Well, there is some precedent in American television history about what the audience is capable of. Ready again? There you go. This is the city, Los Angeles, California. Every 60 seconds a crime is committed in Los Angeles. In the Los Angeles Police Department's communications center, the telephone rings every 20 seconds, 24 hours a day. Of the 3 million people who live in Los Angeles, 35,000 of them are known rapists, murderers, and thieves. They outnumber the police force, seven to one. There are over 5,000 men in this city who know that being a policeman is an endless, glamorous, thankless job that's got to be done. I know it, too, and I'm damn glad to be one of them. Just the facts, man. (laughs) 
just the facts, ma'am. Uh, oh, I should have gone and go. Oh, man, I should have gone and gotten uh, Bill Murray from Stripes. That's the fact, Jack. Anyhow, um, let me go ahead and play. Um, let me go ahead and play. I was lucky enough to be able to interview uh, a conservative uh, talk show host uh, that Michael Medved turned me on to. Um, I'm really, I really am grateful to him for uh, for that, for his uh, endorsement of me. And anyway, so this guy got on the phone with me late at night because uh, last night, so I could interview him. And it's one of those things where I. Um, I just feel like I'm lopsided. I'm trying to be fair and trying to give, uh, but I just know my own bias is, is seeping through. So here is, um, I want to give you his bio a little bit. Um, okay, here we go. His name is David Bose. Uh, he's a lifelong talk radio fan, Washington resident, began his radio career with the nationally known Peter Weisberg, uh, sorry, Weisbach. Uh, as Weisbach's, uh, Weisbach's sidekick, the Grasshopper. Since then, he's produced and substituted uh, for numerous hosts. We talk about that a little bit. Uh, let me just jump into that interview. Go ahead, Gint, and throw up David's picture, please. In my interview with David last night. So, okay, uh, I, I have with me on the phone uh, David Bowes, who I'm looking at your, um, at your bio. You, you've got a really interesting career. I mean, you've, you've – um, I think a couple of the sexy things are that you've, you've hosted or co-hosted or guest hosted, I guess, for, for Michael Medved and for Michael Savage. But uh, you, you wrote for the Olympian and you wrote for the Seattle – columns for the Seattle Times and uh, – You've got your own show now. I mean, David, a conservative voice, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to little Sean from Los Angeles. Oh, man, I mean, you're the one with the exciting career. We were watching your movies when I was a kid, and, and you were a kid actor. I think my sister was somewhat in love with you. I think she had a poster of you on her wall. So uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. I, I mean, I filled in for the Medved show, which is nationally syndicated. For the Savage show, I didn't last long. I think I, I, think I did it uh, twice with a friend of mine, but I don't think there were – I don't think I have the Savage style. Let me put it that way. No? I mean, did, did you try and put your own – even take on things, or did you? Uh, I mean, was was it more P.T. Barnum they were looking for? Or what do you What do you think? Well, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know. I think you know. Savage is like his name implies. You know, he wants. Uh, he's he's a an, an angry kind of guy, and that's not generally the way I. You know, I don't want to be angry all the time. I think sometimes it's worth laughing about, and sometimes you know you look at the way people are running politics, and politics is is you know you're not going to get absolute purity in politics. Sometimes you have to get what you can. And I don't think yeah. that that's, uh, you know, that's always worth nailing somebody over just because they had to. Margaret Thatcher had it best. She said, you know, I'm all in favor of a compromise so long as it's in my direction. I'm okay. paraphrasing. Well, and no, I, but I, that's, uh, we, didn't we just, somebody just got in trouble with that. Uh, I think is the, the uh, you know what I just had last week, a guy who's running for Senate in Indiana um, and, and his opponent was a Tea Party uh, back guy who said, you know, in a, in a way that was, you know, he, it's the guy who beat uh, uh, um, uh, Luger, six-term Luger. Yeah, Luger. He said, "I don't." Uh, uh, you know, it's Michael. Uh, Michael, what's Michael's last name? Michael. Um, I'll get it in a second. But anyhow, he, he basically said, about, yeah. I, "My my idea of compromise is you know, like beating them." Essentially, paraphrasing again, but you know, is, is when they when they agree with me or something like that. But but um, but uh, listen, you you have a much more reasonable 
uh, tone. I mean, I don't even know if sometimes it's the the arguments that are being promulgated as much as it is the tone of voice that people use when they're when they're interacting with each other. On this show, we've tried to you know get create a space of uh, civil discourse and like that. So I mean, we're, you, what's your um, where in your background did you? I know you got married. I'm looking at your thing here. It says you got married in 2006. So did that like take off some of your rough edges, or did you grow up a kind of teddy bear? Or, you know what I mean? Like where? No, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it was. Okay, my you know my dad was the consumer. In my family, we grew up in a very. I, I'm a rural guy. I grew up in a real small town, 60 miles north of Seattle. But my dad was a Marine Corps veteran. He was generally conservative. He was interested in politics, but there wasn't a young Republican club around town. There wasn't a lot of political organization. It was basically our conversations at the dinner table. Well, my dad's mom, my grandma, and a lot of his, you know, a lot of our extended relatives were very, very liberal. And uh, and when we got together, my family likes to tease each other. You know, we give each other a hard time, and we argue, and then we laugh it off. Um, and with my grandma, she would she would frequently end conversations with, you know, David, I'd like to flush you down the toilet, but I love you, you know. And and so for me, it's it's not difficult. Uh, to uh, to uh, not be angry at, at people. It doesn't mean we won't get into heated exchange, but I'm not going to hold it against them. I, I mean, I had uh, Madeline Albright in my studio one time, and when she walked in, she reminded me so much of my grandma. I, could, I couldn't. It was impossible for me to be mad at her. She <laughs> even has a grandson named David Bose. So we had all this this stuff in common, and and just had a good conversation. It doesn't mean that there aren't some things worth getting angry about and worth um, uh, pursuing. But I, I generally think that, uh, look, not everything is, is uh, about politics, and I don't think you're going to be persuading people uh, if you're always angry at them. Well, one so of my catchphrases that I never, I always forget to say, but I came up with it before we did it, well, this is our eighth episode, and before, my, the catchphrase was, uh, well, I guess we solved that one. You know, and it sounds <laughs> yeah. like in your family, there's a, 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 a sense of perspective that, you know, around the dinner table, you're not necessarily going to solve any of the big problems, but people enjoy And, and I wonder, were you a kind of contrarian? Like, did, did you internalize your dad's way of looking at the world? And so that's how you would stand up for your ideas? Or did you find yourself pushing back against other, you know what I mean? Because I, I was on Bill O'Reilly, I don't know, in the mid, in mid in like 2006, five, six, seven, something like that. And he asked me this question. He said, you know, where did you develop your political philosophy? And I, I looked at him and I, I, you know, the honest answer was like, I don't know, my parents, you know, around yeah. the house, they tell you something. And he got this really dismissive look on his face. He sort of rolled his eyes and he was like, yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, was I, was I supposed to quote Kant or something? Was I, was I, was, it, was there a, uh, some sort of, you know, 18th century English, uh, yeah. you know, you know, document that I should have created an allegiance with before I, you know, so, so how did you, how did you develop this? Because conservative, you know, I like the idea of, of balance, but the fact is everybody seems to me kind of everything. It just depends, you know, it just depends on what issue strikes them or, or what kind of collection of ideas they've, they've rallied behind. But like what, how did you develop that thing that is a conservative, what we understand as a conservative voice? Well, it's interesting that you would bring up that everybody seems to have their thing. 
because I, I think a part of that's true because you're making an observation about human nature and about the incentives of human nature. So I became more conservative as I was observing human nature. I was at first inspired by my dad. You know, he was generally conservative. But as I said, he wasn't, he wasn't overly political. Um, you know, to, he, he was the kind of guy who would love to avoid a, a town meeting or a political meeting if he could possibly help. But like I say, we're in a small town, so there wasn't a lot of them. But he was a big fan of the Constitution. He was a big fan of the United States, you know, and, and being a Vietnam vet, I'm sure he, he heard enough uh, negativity. And one of the things that my dad liked to do is read the Constitution and uh, talk about the importance of limited government. So when I was, I was younger, um, I ended up reading the Constitution, and I read the Federalist Papers, and it talked about uh, the reason why our government's structured the way it is. In fact, I was just thinking I need to reread that stuff the other day because we have so many people around who can throw it about. I don't have that encyclopedic mind where I can just pull it off. I, I've got to look know, it back up. We shouldn't up. punish ourselves for that. You know, kind of like... <laughs> A guy like Michael Medved is just sick. I mean, it's oh, all right. We're gonna go. I'm gonna just pause for a second. Uh, we we go on to uh, talk about how brilliant um, and frustrating it is that uh, Medved has such a great mind, and and go on from there. There's a lot more from David Bowes. He's a great guy. Uh, but I saw that Michelle uh, from St. Augustine, Oakland, I think, uh, is calling in. I want to talk to her. Really want to um, acknowledge energy from the uh, from the listeners. So here we go. Let's find out what Michelle has on her mind. Hello. Oh, like right now. Hi. Hi, Michelle. You ready? Yeah. St. Augustine, Florida. 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 Oh, okay. I saw Oakland down there. So, all right. That's all right. My, uh, my, my phone answer is going to uh, guest host here in a little bit, so we'll, we'll, we won't give that away. But uh, anyway, so what's going on down in Florida? Oh, well, you know, I heard a lot of talking about facts that were mostly statistics and numbers, which, as noted, can be easily manipulated, unless you're talking about a very specific parameter. But... The facts that get me angry are ones that are obvious, sensationalism, that people use the tout to kind of, then they, they latch on. Mm. Like, I remember the birther issue yep. and the and death panels. I must have heard death panels for months. Yeah, and we were, just, we were just playing that NPR piece where he's talking about uh, when the when the Arizona governor was say, talking about the heads, the, 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 the beheadings that had happened, and... Other fact checkers couldn't find, you know, what had happened there, but it was used to kind of inflame people's passions about illegal immigration. So yeah, I mean, their hot button issues are uh, are ripe fodder for for abusive facts. So keep going. It, it makes it makes me irrational when people obviously when I present people with things that are obviously not true. You know, you give them the bill and you say, "Show me death panels," and there isn't in there, but they they continue to believe it. And I want to be really angry at them, but I know that me, myself, I have my own biases. And when I see something that I want to be true, sometimes I automatically believe it. But I like to believe that I'm evolved enough that if somebody presented me with facts, concrete evidence, I could change my mind and alter my opinion. But, it, it uh, <laughs> according to some of the wisdom out there, it's harder than it looks. I mean, uh, that that feeling when your blood is boiling. I know that feeling so well, and you, 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 you want, you know, at a certain point, the the substance of the issue that you're talking about almost isn't as important as trying to get the person to cop to the fact that they're not arguing fairly. They're not, you know, they, that they're that there's some sort of a foul. There's a flag that's got to be thrown on the play because they're just. Um, 
you know, and, and some people, you know what even galls me worse is when people enjoy the fact that they're doing that to you and they just enjoy provoking you a little bit more and, and you know, knowing that no one's going to ultimately solve anything in that conversation or convince anybody in that moment. It's it's uh, just kind of sport to pick on the earnest guy who or gal who uh, is trying to... Uh, you know, get get somewhere in the conversation. So I, I and but you also sound very, you know, reasonable and and uh, aware of your own your own limitations. So maybe maybe you're uh, maybe you're the enlightened example for people to follow. Like yes, you acknowledge you get angry, but you don't think you should. You're open to things mistakes you make, and you know that you ju- you know. So I don't know. I, some you know what though, Michelle. Like what, what's something? Do, can you think of an uh, a bias that you have where you know cold hard facts might not in and of themselves move you off of it? I mean, is there, are there any major um, you know, life or choice or, um, you know, you're in... Well, I... I Florida, you're... Po- it's I, a pro- I feel we probably have all the facts there. That's, I couldn't think of anything. I really couldn't think of anything that would change my mind on that. Oh, well, there's... I mean, listen, if you... The number of abortions, the cost, the... I mean, there's there's a million things related to that topic that that are... When people are trying to augment their position because they just don't, they just don't want it, and they want to stop it, or they just think it's fair, you know, whatever side you're on, they start they start importing facts to support their their argument. Um, you know, I mean, it's right, rare. To- that's, that's a situation where numbers can actually be used on either side. People talk about the cost of it, and then you could go to the other side and talk about the cost of the the children afterwards. It's like. The number of children that would be saved, or the number of children who who are waiting for parents to adopt them, the numbers themselves in that kind of argument, in that Cartesian logic form, cancel each other out. It gets to be a point where you can argue till you're red in the face, but both logic points have merit. Yeah, and, and it's a question of what's the where's the tipping point? Where's the where right. where are you going to just fully entrench your position or or you know move a little bit? And and I, what I've noticed is tone of voice in that conversation is almost as effective as data points that you throw out there. That if you if you listen to the other person carefully and really val- you know value the fact that they have an opinion and then you know carefully and gently share your opinion, you're more likely to get the person to listen to you. Then, if you stand toe to toe and, and kind of go, but you started the call by saying, you know, uh, how, you said facts. Um, uh, you, you're talking about basically, uh, uh, you know, agreeing on certain facts. What you know, or, or arguing, and you said a very narrow, uh, in, in a, you know, it's possible in a very narrow context to kind of, you know, limit, you know, box out any wiggle room for discussion about it. But, but facts aren't facts are just, just supposed to be like irrefutable data and then anything that's said afterwards is opinion isn't that isn't that, because that, that sounds like what they should be but we throw around the word fact so just randomly that i doubt that anybody could really if you gave them a sheet of paper with like say 10 different facts written on it i doubt that people could differentiate between what were facts and what were Maybe sort of facts and what were opinion. I I don't know. That would be an interesting. I think you've I think you've set the table for one of these little set one of these little clips I want to play. And you you can uh, stay on and listen to it, or you can jump off if you want. But uh, I mean, I really appreciate the call. You're very smart on on this. Uh, you're exactly the kind of perspective I was hoping would call in. So thank you. Um, the movie uh, Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington and Mary Steedburgen was just I think came out in uh, it came out in. Oh, 
I want to say like 93 or something like that, 95. Anyhow, uh, it was, you know, really dealt with discrimination with uh, HIV and AIDS uh, patients. And the the opening argument, the opening case that's made, and again, I'm going to throw this up. There's, there's two pictures of those actors that are, that are we, we, Denzel and then Mary right afterwards. Um, the, the way they use the word fact and then the emotionality they, that they put behind behind it you know I, I, w- I would love it if you'd listen listen closely to it Michelle and tell me if you think well coming out of it tell me if you think that the things Mary Steenburgen is saying are facts are actually facts or if she's using the word fact to uh, try and uh, in, in a very manipulative way so here it is it's, a, it's it starts out quiet for a second but Denzel Washington it's the last moment of his opening argument and he's basically looking at the jury and telling them that they're that they have to uh, you know, convict this wealthy law firm of discrimination and un- r- wrongful termination. So, and then it goes straight from that to Mary Steenburgen, who is the pro- who is the defense attorney, standing up and trying to, uh, you know, turn it back around on on uh, Tom Hanks' character who has AIDS and is uh, very sick and dying. Okay, uh, so here's the uplifting portion of it: Philadelphia, uh, the facts. After all, AIDS is a deadly, incurable disease. But no matter how you come to judge, Charles Wheeler and his partners in ethical, moral, and inhuman terms, the fact of the matter is, when they fired Andrew Beckett because he had AIDS, they broke the law. Fact. Andrew Beckett's performance on the job varied from competent, good, to oftentimes mediocre, to sometimes flagrantly incompetent. Fact. He claims he's the victim of lies and deceit. Fact. It was Andrew Beckett who lied, going to great lengths to conceal his disease from his employers. Fact. He was successful in his duplicity. The partners at Wyant Wheeler did not know that Andrew Beckett had AIDS when they fired him. Fact. Andrew Beckett is dying. Fact. Andrew Beckett is angry because his lifestyle, his reckless behavior has cut short his life. And in his anger, his rage, he is lashing out and he wants someone to pay. Thank you. Michelle? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think, uh, well, matter of fact, and, and, you know, fact of the matter, colloquialisms I hear used a lot that kind of disguise the fact that what you're saying afterwards is not actually a fact. But it seemed like, especially in a, a courtroom summation, though, you're going to uh, want the jury to assume that everything you say is fact, but taking that out of there. It seemed like a lot of what they said was fact, and it kind of trickled down to opinions supported by previous facts that were facts in that stream. You know what I mean? Well, there's one, there's one thing. There's, uh, in, the, in the litany, Denzel says that it's a fact that they knew he had AIDS when they fired him. And she says right. it's a fact that they didn't know he had AIDS when they fired him. So one of those two things is not an actual fact. And right, but- yeah. Go ahead. 
This is a strange context, though, because at a courtroom summation, your entire basis is that what you say is fact and what the other person says is untrue. Well, I mean, you'd like to think that in a court of law, the 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 judge is the referee and is is going to, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of latitude with not objecting during opening and closing arguments. You know, it's not like a cross examination or something, and you can object by, you know, or right. you know, but but there there still is a a this this quality this dynamic that's in this courtroom scene. It, you can you can lift out of that and you can put it in any one of a, a myriad of political contexts. You know, when, yeah. when gun control or education or a, a, any any topic that you can have that's political, when people are passionate about it, they'll say in their argument, look, it's a fact that this, it's a fact that that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I actually have this one clip of, uh, of, uh, of where is it? Hold on. Uh, uh, of, of, New, of Newt Gingrich. Talking about, um, ah, he's just going off about Ronald Reagan and his movies were, um, you know, only one of his movies was was got a, a good critical review, you know, in the in when it was in the theaters, and that, but he was undaunted by that, and he it's not about, and and the fact check people came out and they're like, no, he had it, there was eleven movies, seven of them got rave reviews, two were, uh, you know, and and uh, and it's just so funny to to hear the juxtaposition because of Newt Gingrich's familiar voice but the point is that's what people do that's what we do in our conversations go go ahead and throw up again go ahead and throw up the mac uh the mac thing i guess we're gonna have to choose i'll, I'll tell you which one to do first um michelle this is really fun because we've we, we're, we're kind of at cruising altitude on the show here with being able to or almost cruising altitude to be able to um illustrate our points with sound clips and show you know pictures while we're talking about stuff so i'm, I'm kind of giddy as a schoolboy at the moment but um you know i i think it, yeah, it is a courtroom. It has its own, you know, inherent limitations in terms of talking about it. But I just wanted you to respond and feel the weight of of uh, the idea that someone can just use the word fact to confer legitimacy on a point that may not actually be fact. Oh, I know. Yeah. I do it too, though. Not gonna lie. <laughs> okay, give me an example. Whenever somebody asks me for an example in a movie or something, when I'm doing a, uh, you know, do you have an anecdote from the set? I always, I, I just freeze up. I can't think of anything. So they have the shows, you know, Letterman. They, they have their pre-bookers come on, and they're like, all right, let's talk through and discover where those fun anecdotes are, and then we'll, you know, have them teed up for the show. But, but I would love for, I, I, I wish anybody listening in would call too and just say, you know, this is. Uh, or did you ever? Do you ever have somebody just point out something uh, in a conversation? You, you'll say, "Well, you know, three out of five dentists surveyed, for, you know, prefer sugarless gum." And somebody goes, "Well, look at this thing in the uh, Harvard medical thing. It actually says that two prefer that." And 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 the, you can just hear the reaction is not to sort of go, "Oh, wow, I was wrong," but to sort of go like, "Well, yes, but still, the point is, and like not change." Uh, Everybody uh, wants to be right, though. Every that's the that's the problem with probably most conversations. And some of the conversations we're having, like especially the ones that have beliefs that we have held that are dear to us, you don't eat 10 minutes, you're not going to go, okay, yeah, I cave, I give up, because that's a part of who you are. It seems almost like you're saying, okay, I'm not me anymore. You're right. Don't you love hanging out with people who have a sense of humor and, and are quick to recognize their own flaws? Aren't those the kind of people you want to hang out with more and, and yeah. confide in, you know? I don't <laughs> Yeah, what are those people like? No, no, most of my friends are, most of my friends, I have some, I'm obviously on the side of liberal, but I have some very serious conservative friends that I've had for a long time, 
and we can talk about things and we don't scream or throw things. Sometimes I get a little angry, probably angrier than they do. They, yeah, yeah. They like to use those some of those blanket statements that aren't actually facts. You know, because it's in the Bible or because God... There you go. Stuff. I was waiting for yeah. it. I was waiting for I, it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a religious person, though. It's, it's not because I'm not a religious person. I just don't think that's a fact. Go ahead, okay, if, uh, Gint, go ahead and throw up the picture. There's two that are biblical uh, cartoons. One's Moses with the tablets where he's saying oh. something to the effect of uh, these have been fact-checked. And uh, and then there's another one with uh, with uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden, and she's looking at the tree of, tree of knowledge, and she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> has that been fact checked?" So, uh, and I have a little clip I'm going to play in a minute of uh, of Will Ferrell doing a, a Bush impression, and and he, he kind of goes into that that realm too. So I, I'll tell you what, though, there's nothing more ed- like exciting and fun than to see somebody who has an absolute command of the Bible who can uh, just no matter what is thrown at them, f- you know, demonstrate that there's you know, just the, uh, the the value that can be found in the uh, in the good book. Um, thank you for calling. You really, uh, you know, it's a highlight of the show. We have all these great little pieces, but you're a flesh and blood human being who called in and was fun and funny and smart, and I really appreciate it. All right, well, thanks a good day. It was fun. <laughs> all right, Michelle. All right. Bye. All right, so I have a couple minutes left. Let's look at a couple more of those cartoons uh, because um, we can. I don't. I can't see which ones you have up there right now, um, Gint. But I'm going to open all of them on my computer. All right. So there's the Thinking Man, the bronze statue of the Thinking Man, and that I think ultimately is the point of all of this: is that uh, exercising our critical thinking skills when looking at facts and evaluating them and hearing them, uh, you know, and 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 reading them and having them debated at us and invoking them on our own behalf. Uh, the Thinking Man is a uh, is a really important one. Okay, uh, let's go down to uh, the the one that you had up a minute ago with the with the guy from Fox with all those pink like thought bubbles over him. And uh, okay, is that up now? Because I can't see him. Okay, so we have. Uh, well, I don't know who did this. This was uh, Mackenzie. Just my brother. Just sort of cut and pick. You know, did a screen grab of this and sent it to me. So um, it is uh, lefty all the way. 100%. Love to hear some conservatives listen to what I'm about to say and call in and say, you know, that fact is wrong, this fact is wrong, this is how they got that fact. You know, that's I hate it when they do that. So here we go. Um, America is broke, so says the Fox guy. Fact, says this thing, America has never been richer. Fact. Oh, 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 oh. Obama is taxing us to death. Obama is taxing us to death. Fact according to this thing, federal taxes are lower than they've been in 60 years. So you can just hear this at a bar, people talking, and you scratch your head and pull out your phone and, you know, Wikipedia or something. Um, uh, illegals are overrunning America. America. Illegal aliens are overrunning America. Fact, the number of illegal immigrants in the U.S. is falling. I can just hear people getting so upset with me because when I say the word fact, it's got the weight of the word fact. Fact, I'm saying it. Fact, it's irrefutable. Anything you might do, if you have an emotional reaction to what I'm saying that is that is bad, you're just going to have to choke on it because because I'm using the word fact. Um, the best, hey, uh, so uh, a Fox guy might say, the guy with the Fox shirt on says, uh, you know what, we have the best health care in the world in this country. Fact. 
the U.S. spends twice as much on health care budget, on health care, but gets worse results than other developed nations. <gasps> oh, my goodness. It's un-American. It's un-American to say that. Outrageous. Okay. What else we got? Um, shiftless, lazy people did it. Not paying their mortgage and whatnot. Fact. Wall Street crashed the economy in 2008. That's a tough fact to defend. And the last one, uh, Baisley is a socialist. Fact, Roger Ailes was the GOP's top media strategist, i.e. party propagandist, before becoming head of Fox News. Those last two kind of were the reveal that this, these facts are not necessarily facts. So uh, tell me what you got when we come back. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. If you missed Gary Garver live. Now, I saw you on CNN last Friday, I believe it was, and you're running for governor. Now, what, 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 what happened? Why? <laughs> why would you want to do that? You know, you know what? I'll tell you why. There's this, there's this guy uh, who's a Virginia AG, and he's been, like, on my ass, like, 24-7, and he's basically using me to get his name out in the press and just wasting literally millions of dollars of taxpayers' dollars. Just some friends of mine got behind me and said, you know what, you should do it, we'll support you. And I decided to run for governor just to put an end to these ridiculous politicians constantly wasting money and doing these witch hunts. Gary Garver Live, Friday afternoons at 3 Pacific, only on the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Hey, it's Heidi and Frank for scorebig.com. There's been two ways to get tickets up until now. You can go to the venue or team site and buy your tickets directly, or you could go to the big ticket sellers, the scalpers, if the tickets for the really big events are sold out. And you can pay way, way over face value. Who wants to do that? Who would do that? Nobody! That's stupid. You don't have to do that anymore. Thanks to scorebig.com, a great website where you always pay less than retail, and you never, ever, ever pay any ticketing fees at scorebig.com, and you can save up to 60% on tickets. Every ticket on the Scorebig website is below retail price. Guaranteed. Great events. Lakers, Clippers, Kings, USC, UCLA, Basketball, Disney Hall, Kevin Theater. Mention specific teams in a list. Well, you did. <laughs> and uh, I think that's uh, perfect the way you did Those that. were teams in Southern California, but Scorebig.com is everywhere. everywhere. I just had a, I got a global. Tweet. I got a tweet from a guy saying he's got his Giants tickets and he saved 30%. Awesome. Thanks, Scorebig.com. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, not just nosebleed seats, everything from the floor to the rafters. And again, no service or shipping fees ever. Your offer at Scorebig.com is what you pay. Always listen to retail, never any fees, scorebig.com. Then type in Heidi and Frank to get uh, the, the passcode. Skip the line. Yeah. Start shopping right away. V- get your tickets today. VIP treatment. Don't here. wait. <laughs> type in Heidi and Frank. Do it right now. What are you still sitting here for? S-C-O-R-E-B-I-G dot com. Proof why I was never a cheerleader. I can't spell. There's more proof than that. Live, live from Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show yeah, for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, everybody. (laughs) 
Not that billboard, the one that says billboard on the thing. Hello, everybody. My name is Sean Astin, host of Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. Am I getting that radio guy sound toned down? Because I'm really working on it. This is the Toad Hop Network. We're going to go straight away to a call. We've got Chris, and I believe it's Philly. All right, Chris, yes. hit, hit me. Um, I just actually wanted to address what the young lady called before uh, was getting at, and something that I've always said is, with a fact, a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is it's the semantics that get people in an uproar. There's a difference, a very distinct difference between a fact, a hypothesis, and a theory. Uh, this is one of those things that's particularly close to my heart. I'm infamous for saying evolution is a fact. Gravity is a fact. Heliocentrism is a fact. Wait, are and you are you not evil mofo, are you? I am. Aha, I was just going to read your quote, man. That's awesome. I had your quote right here on the, on the phone getting ready to read because I thought, you know, you put absolutely, you tweeted, that's awesome. You called. Dude, I'm so happy you're calling right now. All right, go on. You're I'm honored that you're happy. I don't, I, I don't know if it's all that big a deal. But no, I, you know what? Outlet, I, so. I love it. I love watching the conversation develop, and the particular conversation you've been having on our Twitter feed is uh, I found – really you know fun and so i and, and just trying to provoke you to call in and, and hearing you get frustrated about stuff and i just love it so go on go ahead you're you, you say that evolution is a fact and and uh heliocentricity is a fact and gravity is a fact but right exactly and and for the most part uh i'll grant you it's, it's a lot of the creationists that you know hardcore disagree and you know they wave that bible around and say well this is a fact you know no it's not it's a book it's a text what a fact is is evidence, proof, you know, actual tangible evidence. And what a lot of people don't realize is, is there's a progression. You have, for instance, a hypothesis. A hypothesis is developed through empirical data, you know, some facts here and there, but you're not sure. You're trying to figure out what it is that's true. You know, once you collect those facts... Oh, hypo a hypothesis you, is an assertion... That, exactly. that needs to be, that, that hasn't yet been proven. Right. It's, it's either proven or disproven through, you know, collection of facts. It then, based on the facts, if it's proven, becomes a theory. If it's not proven, it doesn't become a theory. It remains a hypothesis, and at that, a dead one. Uh, what I agree with you on the dead hypothesis. I'm not sure about the theory thing yet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not 100 with you yet on that. I'm, I'm. My mind. My English major mind is. I can. F the smoke is. You know. The gears are <laughs> kind of turning. I'm like a theory. Um, you know, a, de a dead hypo a hypothesis. You know, the world is flat. The world is round. The world. You know, trees are. You know, whatever. And you and you you go to it and you're trying to prove it. You're you're scientifically trying to validate um, that that assertion and if it if you can't then you know then it's like you said a dead thing but but a theory a theory almost is like say it's almost like a hypothesis that can't be proved but you're going to go with it you know you're going you're gonna to go with it you know i have a theory that's that's based on you know refracted information from a bunch of different points but i can't right, but yeah at the same time a theory a scientific theory is based it has a basis in facts in you know, various facts. Mm -hmm. uh, now, that's not to say it can't change. If other facts come to light that, you know, um, for whatever reason, you know, modify the original theory, then the theory's modified. 
uh, it's just it's one of those things where, uh, like, like the young lady was saying before, you know, I know X, Y, and Z to be true. I know X, Y, and Z to be true based on facts that I have learned. Now, if I learn new things and they happen to be fact as opposed to, you know, supposition, well, then what I know has to change. Um, I had said before, I had tweeted, I love being wrong. It means I'm learning something. Yeah, you know, I I'm, the same, I'm the same way. I mean, I, <laughs> and, and I've said to so, so many people, you know, if you surround yourself only with people that agree with you, you learn nothing. You stagnate. I just looked up uh, the theory, uh, definition of theory in the dictionary. A coherent group of tested general propositions commonly regarded as correct. Commonly regarded as correct. So I think you and I were kind of, uh, you know, I think we were circling the wagons on that one. Um, but it's really important because... If people were to acknowledge in their conversations about politics that, you know, certain things aren't settled and, and you know, I've developed an emotional relationship to the death penalty, even though certain things aren't settled about it, it's it's a much it's a much easier conversation because, I, you know, it's a free country. I can't talk you out of feeling what you're feeling about something, even if you don't know exactly you can't you can't validate it. I mean, the 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 total orgy of facts and data that come at us from the political news shows uh you know you you want to jump on a fact like a life preserver you know you want to say i'm sure that i'm just sure because i like obama so much i'm just sure that his economic policies are helping us i just have this great feeling and desire that i want it to be true and so i'm going to look for any buoy of a fact out there in the water to, to hold on to and in order for it to become a kind of coherent you know, a, a, a commonly regarded as correct thing. I don't know. It's like our our political system, our media system, is not designed to let that ha you know happen. It's designed to continue to split and be binary. What do you think? Right. Well, I think that it's a <laughs> it's a sad fact, if you'll forgive the term, that you know we have a binary system, a two party system. I I don't think personally, I don't think it works. Um, you know. It's become in the political arena far, far too much about winning and not enough about what is right and, you know, governing by the Constitution. You know, the Constitution says all men are created equal. It doesn't say, you know, that you can bar a certain group of people or a certain sect based on, you know, the way they live their life and its opposition to your viewpoints. Uh, According to the First Amendment, it certainly doesn't say that you can make laws to, you know, take away someone's rights based on a holy text. You know, mm. this this whole thing in North Carolina recently, and even more recently, I I still have yet to research this, you know, completely. But I heard whispers that they had just uh, made a law against teaching uh, global warming. Uh, no, which is something that yeah, listen those 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 laws are, are regard is true and they and Texas they want to they want to teach uh creationism uh, alongside as an equal option uh of of uh, evolution and listen this is uh, it's hard it's a process I, I love that you called it a sad fact I'm like well what you said about it it, it is a fact sad is an attribute <laughs> um well that's my own personal inflection on it yeah, and it's and it's and it's great. I know it's it's funny. Um, listen, I I think that you've we all want to live. I I I want to believe. I think it's a uh, 
something between a fact and conjecture that we'd all, or the most of us, for the, you know, want to live in a world where we can be happy and free and helpful well, to one absolutely. another. Absolutely, that, that's that's what that document's about: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hmm. You know, that that's what the country was founded on. You know, Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, all that good stuff. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are losing sight of that because they have these, you know, knee-jerk emotional responses to things they don't like. And, you know, just because I don't like something or I disagree with you, that doesn't mean you're wrong. Don't you think people feel right. threatened, though? Don't you th it don't means I don't agree with you. That's all. And we're free in this country to do that. That's the whole idea. Watching people feel threatened by a strong assertion of data from someone else who has a differing emotional relationship to whatever's being talked about is so painful to me um, because some people aren't equipped to, uh, with, a, with the confidence to stand their ground and smile and say, oh, you know what, I, just, I have a different viewpoint. They, they get so emotionally charged and and sometimes a fuse pops and they can't be rational and you know maybe sometimes rationality is 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 limited in terms of its effectiveness with what we're trying to communicate with each other so i you know i think i think as long as guys like you are willing to uh acknowledge that you have uh you know that you have a werewolf inside you that that may may be harmful to the process um but then also have this um Kind of benevolent tonality that you that you want to take. I think you're I think you're an example. I think you're an example, and and uh, you know I love your contributions. Please keep uh, tweeting and calling in, and and um, thank you for your thoughts about uh, about facts, facts and theory and um, and uh, hypothesis. Uh, that's a really important contribution to the conversation today. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for thanking me. <laughs> no, no, thank you. You know what? There's one of. Are you there? Did you hang up? No, I did not. Okay, you, you, when, when you're talking about we're so geared towards winning, it made me think one of my favorite movies of all time is Patton. And I'm going to sort of paraphrase it or butcher it, but at the beginning of the movie, uh, George C. Scott uh, says, you know, America loves a winner. You know, nobody ever won a war dying for their country. They won a war making the other dumb bastard die for his country. And, and this idea that excellence and... Uh, achievement and victory and you know I mean I played Rudy and Rudy was about a guy whose whose major life accomplishment is to do is to get in 37 uh, th you know 27 seconds of a game but that but he's it's you know people love it it touches their heart it speaks to their soul because because the nature of winning was calibrated in a way that that just was undeniably beautiful and and so I think if somehow instead of the Radisson Hotel or Sheraton Hotel or whatever it is with with those lame you know with the podium and at the end of the victory night and you've got you know I just talked to so and so at his hotel room where you know he he and his family are miserable and their followers are miserable now I'm going to stand here with my team the, that like victory celebration thing in politics is so somebody's got to work on that because it, it's you shouldn't leave people who've been invested in the system and trying to make a difference and really pushing their point of view you know they, those people shouldn't walk away from that night feeling defeated and like they'll get back into it in two or four or six years from now they they you, they should feel like okay you know we this is an argument that that won now and you know keep keep i don't know i just i just feel like what you said 
about it being too much about winning, we have to have a, 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 a really sophisticated understanding of that dynamic. We have to say, like, winning is important. You need to be able to win. We want, we want people to win. Um, and we also have to make sure that winning, uh, the nature of winning in, a, in, a, in our democracy is worthy of the, the place we want to call home, you know? Yeah, I, I see your point, but see, to me, I differentiate between winning and overcoming. And, you know, what it's become in the political arena is, you know, winning regardless of cost, uh, you know, regardless of cost to your dignity, regardless of cost to the other guy's dignity, you know, just win at all costs. It's in, It's an American tradition, you know. Jim, for instance, has become mandatory all four years of high school. It wasn't that case. It, that wasn't the case until we desperately needed to beat the Russians in the Olympics. And it, you know, is that a fact? That is that a fact? <laughs> that, I, I'm not going to say it's a fact because I haven't been on factcheck.org. Right. But, no, Wikipedia. You know, You're not going to race to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm not going to race to Wikipedia. I can, if I can alter the definition on the website, I can't trust that website. Right, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> you could because, race to Wikipedia and say that you know the nature of uh, gym member of uh, you know high school gym requirements in American school system changed in you know 1952. I, I, it's just hilarious. That, you know, and my my kids all get that now. They, they in school they're taught to uh, cite their sources and to be skeptical of everything. I just thought it was, uh, right, uh, well, and that's a great thing to be skeptical. Be skeptical of everything. It's it's you know very much the way I live my life. If somebody tells me something, I'm not going to assume that they're correct on the basis of who they are or what they've said. And you know, even if they told me, well, I understand this because I gathered this information and I've gleaned it from such and such a place, and you know what have you, I'm still going to go see for myself because. What do I know that that person may be just telling me to get me to shut up? My wife does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have uh, you have the stamina and the interest, the aptitude, all those things. Some people don't have those those things. They they're they're slogging along trying to do their thing. But uh, but you're an example. Okay, so so you don't want me to call you? Can I call you Evil Mofo? What am I supposed to call you? Uh, my name's Chris. Actually, I just I use that handle on my social media stuff to, so that I don't commit professional suicide. <laughs> well, Chris, I really appreciate the comment, and I hope you call back, and I'm, I'm excited to get to know you better on, on Twitter as we, as we go along. You're a friend of the show. Yeah, well, thank you very much. All right, man. Uh, Linda, I see you there. Brett, I see you there. I want to play something right now, and there's a special treat that I have coming up uh, right afterwards so, and that both of you will dig. So if you can hang out, hang out. Um, and uh, so everybody, here's a little treat. We're going to do the guy on the ranch. Here you go. Will Ferrell. And now a special address from the President of the United States on global warming. Hello, America. It's me, your, your president, your commander-in-chief of the world. And I'm here at my, my ranch here in Crawford, Texas, just just taking a little R&R, &R, you know, relaxing, growing out my soul patch. And there's an issue that has come to my attention, the issue of the so-called global warmings. For centuries, the rays of the sun have warmed the surface of our Earth's crust, and uh, apparently those rays are, are intensifying. Rest assured that the issue of global warming is something that my administration and
politics very and seriously. Elizabeth. I'm sure by now you've all heard what liberal scientists are trying to say. It seems that, uh, that liberals and, and godless tax raisers are, are trying to make me look bad by using such things as facts scientific data. God. What? Mr. President, you can't say they're using facts. Right. Facts are real. They're not disputed. How do you know that? What kind of book is this? Gee. Why do you tell me it was a pop-up book? Those things scare the crap out of me. I don't think that's the kind of science book we're looking for. We're talking about global. You, well, what kind of science book would you suggest? There's, there's a lot of books. One filled with facts, maybe? Yes. Yeah. I bet you'd like that. When you think back to biblical times, when Adam and Eve talked to that snake 6,000 years ago, when the world was created, it was hot back then, too. Why do you think Adam and Eve were naked? I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. You know, you didn't, you didn't hear Adam and Eve running around talking about emission standards or hybrid cars. In fact, Adam and Eve drove an excursion. Global warming, don't worry about it. We got a beat on this thing. You know, we just need to get nature to cooperate with us. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell as uh, W. Uh, <laughs> messing around with the idea of, of facts. Um, uh, more than happy to play stuff of the uh, of the, the Dems being uh, lampooned. Um, anyhow, and did you show that? Did you see Will Ferrell on that thing? That picture is there. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special treat. Uh, there, there is a person in here. Is it on two cameras? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, it's not on two cameras, so we'll have a reveal. There's a person sitting in the studio now who is not Mackenzie, the occasional co-host, guest host. Um, she is a person who was very kind enough to help me edit some of the. Um, on the computer, some of the interviews uh, in the car on the way uh, over to the studio today, and then was kind enough to take phone calls and and type in the names and the locations of them. And, and obviously, uh, she is a she. And obviously, she is a she. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, allow me to present my number two child, my second daughter, Elizabeth Louise Aston, uh, who's going to sit in with us for the the last uh, forty minutes of the show. Elizabeth, hi there. Hi. How's it going? It's going I, Go ahead. Okay. Hi. Hi. Oh, you want me you want me to talk? Okay, I'll talk. Okay, so here's the thing. Um if you're just a guest, you're not just a guest, you're kind of a guest co host. Oh, but if you're wow. just yeah, well formal. Formal. Well, it's kinda of exciting. So if you um <laughs> can I just ask you a couple of questions? Go what, for what, it. what I okay. What I was gonna say is as the guest, you you know, the the yeah. etiquette is you just wait for the host to talk and ask a question. Okay, but as a co host you can chime in anytime you want. So the um you're about to pop up on the uh there you go. Hello, now you can wave again because now they can see you. Now Yay. you can see me. Yay. Ah. All right. All four people who listen to the show are now watching you. All right, so <laughs> I have a couple of questions to uh ask you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. All right. Uh this year, is it true? that you had a very important political experience. Um, I wouldn't call it that important, but it, yeah, that's, uh, I'd call it true. You'd call it true. Okay, all right, but not that. It was, maybe it was more important for me as your father than it was for you as the, uh, as the person. But can you please explain to the uh, listening and viewing audience of Vox Populi what your political experience was early this year? Um... Well, at our school, we run for student council, 
and I ran, and I won, and I was very excited. I actually did a little dance. <laughs> what, was this the first time that you ran for student council? No, it was not the first time, but it was the first time I won. Uh-huh. What happened in the first time? Well, the first time, um, I was a little shy and quiet, so I didn't win. You, you lost for, for shyness? Yeah, I, w I lost for shyness. Okay. And this time, were you, were you miraculously unshy? What happened? I was very unshy, if that's a word. So, so what was your strategy? How did you, how did you accomplish this political victory? Well, um, my sister, Allie, she helped me a lot the night before. And yes, I'm one of those people who practiced the night before. <laughs> um, but she helped me a lot, and she boosted my confidence. So I'd say thank you to her. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and... That's awesome. So, so how, uh, what did she help you with? Was it signage, or are you making stuff up, or what? Well, she helped me with my speech that I was giving. Um, she helped me make sure that everything was, you know, funny and good. She, uh, she told me how I should stand, like I should stand with my hands in my pockets. She told me I have to talk loudly so that people can hear me. And that one I was surprised about. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, she helped me a lot. There are a lot of things she helped me with, but and but this and the speech made all the difference. And did you just win outright in a landslide? What happened in the vote? Well, what happened was I got a tie between my friend Ben, who lives up my street, and um, so we re-ran. Um, they call what do they call that? Uh, re. Re-elected? Runoff? I don't know. Yeah, yeah you, you made not, the runoff. You, I'm not good with that stuff. Oh, nonsense. You're expert at it. So it was a runoff between you and Ben. Yeah, uh -huh. and um, he is now, he's, uh, what do you call it? Put your ear thing on like that. Oh, okay. Okay, so, oop, make sure it's on here. Okay, um, no, pull it back. Come on, get it comfortable in there. Rotate it back. Oh, there you go. Okay. Not too far. Split the difference. I, there you I, go. I That's I, good. Okay. okay. Um, so Ooh. did you? Uh, so so how do you think the vote split? Was there? Um... Well, most people say that because there were more girls in our class than boys, that all the girls voted for me and all the boys voted for him. But no. You're so all cute. All the boys I'm... voted for me. Yeah, of course they did. I, I knew it. Did you guys get a, to a vote total at the end, or that you just were told the re the, the the result? I think. No, she just told us that I won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, and now you've been on the student council for half a year, and, uh -huh. and how are the council meetings going? How do you find that experience? Uh, well, it's good. The We usually have a carnival, and we brought that back, so we're happy. We didn't bring it back, but it was brought back, and we... Does student council have anything to say about that? Um, we're very excited, and a lot of people thank us, so we're happy. Did you did did you express your opinion ahead of time to anybody? I mean, uh, yeah, no. No, there was no formal. No, there was no formal petition like, or anything. No, because the PFA takes care of that, so we don't have a say in that. So. All right. But um, we do a lot in the meetings. We discuss things that we have a suggestion box in our class, where people can put the suggestions in, and then we take it to the meetings and we tell people about it and it's very formal mm -hmm. and um, then we see what we can do about the stuff that they say some are very um, unformal like 
Informal. Info. Informal? Informal, yeah. All right. All That's right. all right. Okay. You can't know everything. I don't. <laughs> I get to know one or two things. Informal is one that I know I can throw down on that one. Informal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Informal. Like, people will say, I want soda day, where you bring out sodas. But we can't make that happen. <laughs> So it's, a, it's, a, it's an administrative body whose actual <laughs> uh, 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 effectiveness is, is compromised by no budget, no... Uh, but you do things. You, people, how about the mural and all that stuff? The mural is mostly Miss Wachtel, our principal, but... Oh, oh, Miss Wachtel. Ah, Miss yes. Wachtel, your Ms. principal. Wachtel. This brings me to my second major... First of all, I'm very impressed and proud of you. Your, your answers are just phenomenal. Thank you. I'm sure people are going to want to run you for some kind of office, and you just hold out for the, the right kind of uh, deal there. I'll teach you about that later. But uh, anyhow, the Friday last, your last mm-hmm. Friday of school... My last Friday of your school? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to miss that school. Tell me... Well, you're going back in a couple months, so don't worry about it. Don't T- remind me. <laughs> All right, so uh, they're fickle, aren't they? One minute? Okay. In one minute, tell me what happened last Friday. All right. In one... Oh, should I like... No, no, no. I don't mean one minute from now. I mean you have now 50 seconds to tell me the whole story. Okay. Um, Well, we did a lot. Uh, We... I got to say over the whole school... No, no, no. You haven't established the thing. All right. Well, um, they had an online auction for my elementary school, Bay Laurel... And we, and they had principal of the day. So I, I decided that was the one thing I absolutely needed. I needed principal of the day. Uh huh. Did you get it? Yes, I got it. Uh huh. Was it expensive? Uh, you don't have to say the number, like but around expensive. Yes, it was. Very it was. Expensive. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. But okay. <laughs> so and what happened as principal of the day? Well, um, I got to do an all call, which is where you. Press a button, and then you get to say something over the whole speaker. Mm-hmm. Everyone heard Everyone you. in the school heard you, yeah. And then you jumped up and down and went, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I did. You, you also did a thing where you called. And I called all the people who went to the school, even the teachers and stuff. Every family, every, they got a telephone call with a recorded message from you. And I said, like, it's the last day of school and stuff, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I, I heard it. You actually sounded like a principal. We're going to go to a commercial break, and then uh, we're going to go with Brett, because Brett actually introduced me to his daughter over the phone on our first interview, and I'm going to introduce Brett to my daughter on uh, on her first day here. And then, Linda, if we're uh, still surviving, we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, okay. You can go ahead and do your uh, little commercial break. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well done. Thank you. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Hi, my name is Miles L. Berman. I'm known as Top Gun DUI Defense Attorney. We know how to fight your case and we know how to win. Me and my team of attorneys concentrate in representing people arrested for DUI. Call 888-4-TOP-GUN. That's 888-4-TOP-GUN. Or visit our website at TopGunDUI.com because friends don't let friends plead guilty. Now back to Vox Populi. Here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, we're back, everybody. I'm going to go straight to Brett in Florida, one of our uh, frequent callers. Brett, how are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, may, may I introduce you to my 
nine-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, this is, uh, well, Brett, I don't know your last name, so we'll just go. This is Brett. Hi, Brett. How you doing? I talked to you on the phone when you answered very professionally, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> She's so funny. What are you thinking about facts? Um, well, I was thinking quite a few things after the last caller. Um, I, with a reference to uh, to evolution versus creationism, you know, there's a line from a, the movie Oh God, Book Two that I thought uh, really nicely packages the two together in a believable way. When George Burns says, "You know, when I woke up this morning, it was 1945." Mm. So if you take the concept of uh, six days to an infinite being trying to explain it to a finite being, uh, then the length of time of seven days can uh, be considerably different. And maybe evolution was how it worked. I got a coy response for you. Okay. Can't argue with that. But uh, <laughs> you really you can't argue with it because it's it's, inter it's a uh, it's a feeling. It well yeah I you know isn't it? We'll all find out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean for the sake right we we are unfortunately in this temporal plane uh, you know sometimes confined by our limits of our imagination and but but you know science can be helpful now. Ener energy can't be uh, destroyed so. You know, maybe, there, maybe there's something else there. Maybe there isn't. Well, like I said, we'll all find out in the end, one way or the other. Uh, there is some witty comeback for uh, energy can't be destroyed. I just couldn't, I couldn't come up with it. But well, all right. So, but what do you think about his uh, Chris's thing about theory versus um, you know fact versus hypothesis? Well, you know, first it's a hypothesis, then it's a theory, and then possibly a law. And and in terms of scientific theory, uh, scientific theories before they're I don't know, promoted from a hypothesis, they actually go through peer review. So while it, they don't call it a law because it uh, it cannot be proven, uh, it's as close as it's going to get. Uh, you know, whether or not you want to believe in a divine guidance or got our hand in it, the evolution is is as much of a fact as you can get on something that you can't. Prove one hundred percent. You know, uh, and it's like the theory of relativity. I mean, the theory of relativity cannot be proven one hundred percent, so therefore, it's not the law of relativity. Mm -hmm. But it's a peer-reviewed thing, and 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 many learned scholars have gone over the evidence, and so far they haven't found anything that disproves it, which is what makes it a, a theory. As opposed to hypothesis. And, and the, the realm that we're sort of swimming in here is, in this show, is the idea of kind of popular usage, really. I mean, you're talking about it to a really specific academic scientific Correct. standard. Correct. And then, and that's where, you know, word choice kind of comes to play. Well, that's I mean, what he was we're, saying, too. We're working, we're working with connotation most of the time. Well, he said semantics. I mean, you guys are, sounds like you're on the same page with that. I, I, I agree. And semantics do go back and forth. And, and you know, it... it it started to show, you know, you were talking about the FBI statistics, for instance. Um, the problem with any statistic is how it's gathered and whether it's all gathered. And, you know, in, in thinking about that FBI statistic, and I don't necessarily dispute it because I have, I have no way to know, but one thing I do know about crime statistics, having, having quite a few friends in law enforcement, is not everything's reported, and it's not all reported the same way, especially from local jurisdictions. So while you may have a statistic that says there's been X number of crimes, if a local jurisdiction says one thing's a drug crime and another thing is a, is a violent crime, if they don't put it in the right category, it doesn't make it into that database, 
You know what I'm saying? Well, this goes back to the 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 dynamic of the Congressional Budget Office conversation we're having. Correct. Yeah, very yeah. much the same. Very much the same. Yeah, uh, so we, we just have to develop a conversancy with the different organizations. You know, credibility within an organ, a factcheck.org or whoever right. it is, is really, you know, it's hard to earn and easy to lose. Uh, right. So, but I think if we as a public, you know, I'm, I'm always a little intimidated, frankly, by guys like you and, and uh, Chris and Jason Swank and some of the other folks who call in a lot and contribute um, by their command of command of information. And I, I feel like, you know, I went to college. I got my I graduated with honors in history, and American literature and culture. Man, I feel dumb. Well, you know, I, I listen to your vocabulary and I'm I, I'm fairly envious. So don't don't feel bad. Well, um, well, it know, takes it, a village. <laughs> well, it, it's all a matter of where you where you're focusing your study. I mean, you know, I, I get into this stuff because um, I, I ended up being one of those disillusioned Republicans many years ago and and left the party and and because I work in a digital in a digital format and in and, and IT and and uh, have have always had access to a large amounts of information. I'm I'm just one of those guys that goes out and look things up because I don't believe people. You know, I started out as a punker back in the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so we, we kids were are interesting. Much... Do you believe people, Elizabeth? Do you find yourself if a grown up says something, you you basically believe it, or do you think you're skeptical? Or it depends on what they say. There you go. Well, the more intelligent you are, the more you question things. So you sound pretty intelligent. <laughs> yeah, it kind of floors me, actually. She takes after her mother, thank heavens. Uh, oh, yeah. The worst thing is when your kids are smarter than you. I'm, that I'm happened a long time ago. Yeah, mine are both far smarter but than But I'm mine. still the dad. Yeah, well, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's intelligence and there's wisdom. There's a book about that. Yeah, I, I'm There's there, many books about that. <laughs> intelligence and wisdom, I may not have on my side, but there's some sort of, like, natural law that I get going. Cause I, you know, well, once you, once you pass 40, you suddenly start to become wise. That's the rules. <laughs> All right, I'll work on that for you. Brett, as always, my friend, good to hear you. And I did not call you sir once. I was so happy. I could tell when you called that you had set your mind to that, and I love it. Thank you. Actually, I talked to my mom about it, and she said, well, you know, you've called him enough times. I think you can call him. <laughs> <laughs> he used to call me sir all the time. Elizabeth wouldn't know what to do with herself. She heard me, people call me sir. Uh, all right, Big Brett, tell your mom I said hi and your daughter. And uh, and Elizabeth, do you have anything you want to say? Um. You don't have to. I'm just asking. That, you know what I was? That's what I was? A whole lot of words. You're on, you're on the radio. Say rock on. Rock on. Rock on. Oh no! What did you do to her? <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking when you were talking about switching parties. I was wondering, Elizabeth, do you? I know that news and stuff is gets kind of annoying, but it but does. do you do you understand the basic concept of political parties? No. Hmm. That's all right. You don't need to understand it yet. <laughs> well, probably most of the listeners don't either. <laughs> I'm 46, and I don't understand right, Exactly. Uh, it's like a team. Okay. It's like a team. A very dysfunctional, <laughs> um, confused, sometimes effective team. But we'll talk. Often we'll mentally handicapped. I just want you to learn from Brett, Elizabeth, that he he's a very smart man. He's got a very good education. He works very hard. And at a certain point, he changed his party. He ha you know, so some people they're a, a member of a political party, and that's the party they they belong to their whole life, and they won't change for anything. And I appreciate that, a, you know, a critical critical thinker, a human being has the the. It takes a little bit of courage to change your party because uh, somewhere somebody's going to have a problem with it. 
Um, right? I mean, either the people you're leaving are going to have a problem, or they're going to say you're a joiner if they're doing if the other team if you're like a front runner. There's you know flip flopper, flip flopper exactly. So I just uh, I think that there's that's a, a useful thing. All right, I'm going to jump off. All right, take it easy. All right, bye, Brett. Bye. All right, I have a feeling this is Linda. We're going to go to Linda for a second. This is Linda. Are you I'm, sure? But I'm pretty are, sure. I'm Linda. Pretty sure. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm good. Sorry you I'm waited good. so long. I waited a long time, but it was worth it. I got to hear all the rest of it while I was waiting. Uh, Linda is uh, Linda is, is uh, runs a fan site for a Sean Astin fan site, and we're really good friends now. She's just does so much great stuff for us that you don't know about. I think but. You oh, me that so fan you site. think that's the Linda you have on the line, huh? Who do I have? Oh, you have someone you have yet to meet. My name is Linda Lewis Van Reed, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Oh my goodness! Well, hello, Linda Lewis Van Reed. <laughs> Hi, Sorry about you? the mix-up. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We'll cut. We'll cut him a little bit of slack this time, won't we, Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah, Sean. I'm calling because uh, I have a few words of encouragement and a short word of comment. Go. All right. Oh, by the way, I'm on a VOIP phone, so if we happen to lose one another, why then that's what happened. Well, I know you know how to call back. Okay. Uh, I wanted to let you know that how much I appreciate that you're doing this show. This sort of a thing has needed to happen for a very long time, and I think that you probably will reach more people and do more service here doing this than you ever could have done had you opted to continue in a straight-up political career. I think you're doing a massive job. I think you're doing a great job, and I appreciate you. Uh, so, feels so good to hear that. Uh, okay, so, you, and your commentary. Thank you, I mean to say. And your comment. thing on my microphone just fall down? It's no, like, you're okay. That thing? That's okay. just a little thing. It's no big deal. All right. And, and now I have a comment. Uh, you are working extremely hard to uh, keep everything right down the middle of the road and as and as factual as possible and well <laughs> using the word fact but you know keeping everything so people can they can know create an open forum you can create an open forum for people so that they can exp exchange ideas without there being a, a political uh, you know so much political upheaval and uh, bearing that in mind I want to uh, uh, call quick attention to right before Chris called, you read something, and I forget what it is now, uh, but you read something, and it was a conservative comment of some kind that you were reading, and uh, well, it would have been either a, uh, it would have been either one of the car. Oh, it was the cart. I know what you're responding to. It's the, it's the, it's a cartoon. Cartoon. That's yeah. right. And uh, whenever you read the cartoon. Uh, you use just the slightest little bit of the hillbilly accent that nowadays... Yeah, yeah, I thought that might come back to bite me. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, I have a little fact for you, and trust me, this is, this is with all love. This is not an admonishment. Okay. Uh, I am from a town of 38 people called Cherryville, Missouri, down in the sticks so far that we don't even have the Internet. Well, you didn't say Missouri. And uh, <laughs> because most people who live here don't. Really? <laughs> yeah, learn something. Missouri. <laughs> I just fly over Missouri, you know what I mean? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, I know. I used to live in Los Angeles. I worked in the film industry. As a matter of fact, my husband worked on one of your sets at Kangaroo Court back in the day. Oh, my gosh. And he, he you have met my husband. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what, what's his name? 
Uh, Bruce Van Reed, you never remember him. He did a little bit of uh, set decoration for you guys one day. No, I remember that was that was every inch of that was really important to us. So my gosh, could you please give him a big uh, hug and hello for me. Oh, well, he's listening downstairs, and he was so impressed with you, and he's like, I hope you have the opportunity before we have to leave Malibu that uh, you get the chance to meet the Astons, and I didn't get to. But uh, All right, so, so why shouldn't I make fun of Southerners? Okay, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make fun of the Southerners. Not, I'm not saying the Southerners. I'm saying let's make sure that whenever we're characterizing the conservatives, that we are not always making them sound as though they are uneducated. By by using the hillbilly accent, I think. Did you were you able to see the cartoon or just hear it? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. So, in in fact, as I look at him now, he's this fat guy with jowls. He looks a little like a caricature of an Asian uh, person, maybe on some level. And and uh, the you know the the the. Oh, you think the character leans itself naturally towards. He lo that it's it's not just the character; it's the the way that that juxtaposition is being presented. The people uh, are presenting it are clearly antagonistic to the Fox News viewer, and so your your point is well taken. I, I actually it did occur to me. I, I think if I listen back to it, I, I kind of back off it for a second. I love doing a Southern accent. Um, hey, you're an actor. What do you hmm. want? <laughs> I used to do it too. I used to I could it. flip it. I could flip it. Okay, so there's one where it says uh, Ill uh illegals are overrunning America is the is the comment and then it says fact the number of illegal immigrants in the US is falling. So you could I could flip it. I said you know, illegals are are overrunning America. Well, the southern, <laughs> the the number of illegal immigrants in the US is falling. So you can just flip it around. There's no we don't have to stand on any kind of uh bias here, any kind of, you know, racial or ethnic or cultural offense. Uh, I I take your point and please call and uh, and 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 keep me in line when I when I do that. Well, seriously, I keep you. I I I I, I listen to you very carefully because I really do want to try to support what you're doing as much as possible. Well, I'm going to mess up. So and so and it requires. Uh, it takes a village. So please, please, please call and tell me when I when I mess up somewhere. I think I, I think you're right that I actually kind of uh, I didn't establish the joke enough. I just <laughs> let it slip in there a little bit. I kind of was 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 sneaking it, and it and it had a uh, an off putting kind of thing. But anyway, but what about the actual point of the cartoon, which is that um, es essentially people are. Are, are are can be marginalized and marginalize each other with the way they have these kind of binary conversations. Do you have any thought about? Uh... I I do agree that we very much marginalize one another. Um, I tend politically, uh, whenever I was growing up, uh, I tended to be a Republican. I'm not quite sure why, because I was young and I was in a town where everyone was Republican, and it's just like so many times whenever we elect to go to church. We do this because it's what our parents have done. We, we elect our religion because that's what our parents did. We're making people in our lives happy by doing this. And we don't really think, we don't really think about the, the, the doctrine or what is behind claiming a particular group or an affiliation. We just go ahead and do it. And uh, so uh, I was a Republican for a long time. And then uh, I got older, and as I began to read and learn more, Thanks to my husband, who has made a five-year study of, of philosophy and politics and all this sort of stuff. Wow! Oh yes, he's a, he's incredibly he's incredibly. Will you please invite person. him to call in, or maybe I'll interview him. 
well, he's uh, he's downstairs. Uh. <laughs> well, not at the moment, but I'll, I'll schedule a thing and I'll call him. Uh, <laughs> do you know that there's an email a thing on the show here? It's uh, it's Vox uh, Populi. Uh, it's Sean Aston Vox Populi at Gmail dot com. So if he's interested in being uh, interviewed, I'd love it if you drop me a line and and uh, we we can have a little back and forth and come up with something good. But because um, I'm I'm always looking for that. But you know it's funny because most people say that when you're a kid, there's that old expression that I can never get right about when you're a kid you're you're a liberal and then when you you're an adult you're a conservative. You know paraphrasing, but but uh, you, you you turn that on its head. And uh, yeah, basically uh, now I refer to myself as a republicrat. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I I actually like when Democrats and Republicans because I've spent some good time in D.C. and and there are there's a, a a type of person who gets it who gets that there's a time to to you know quote unquote fight but you don't want to fight so dirty that you can't have dinner with the person and and you know ultimately the system is designed for people to peacefully be able to move their agenda forward and it just is slow and it takes time and but uh so i you know <laughs> i don't want to go as far as to say some of my best friends are republican because that's kind of an old trope but uh but i i love republicans and i love democrats and and i can't stand republicans and i can't stand democrats so what are you going to do i hear you because you know ultimately sean it's getting to the point i think in this country and maybe in many parts of the world to where it's no longer the argument is no longer a, a republican versus democrat i believe that the line has changed I believe that perhaps it's uh, those who have an extreme amount of power uh, versus the people and what they really do want. And I think that there's a there's a sea change that's trying to come in this country. Not sure which way it's going to go, but what you're doing here is enabling the people to come together with a more educated voice, and that's what I appreciate. Well, I, I thank you so much for the good words, and and uh, it really does mean a lot. I, I spent a lot of hours trying to like pull these clips and figure out things and come up with topics and do stuff, and it uh, and it's fun. I love it, but uh, it's really great to have some some positive feedback. So, um, Elizabeth, do you have anything you want to ask uh, to Linda? Uh, ask Linda. I have something to say. Okay. Sure, Elizabeth. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Why, you are quite welcome, and thank you for your time. And one day you will be a wonderful host. So if Dad calls in sick, you have to host for him, okay? All right. All right. <laughs> Outstanding. I'm, fl I'm gobsmacked. I'm flabbergasted. All right, Linda, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Sean. Bye, Bye for now. Wow. Wow. Well, what did you think of that conversation? Um. Were you tuning it out because it was too boring? <laughs> no, I wasn't exactly tuning it out. Um. You could say I was trying to take it in. Can you picture <laughs> listening to a show and thinking it's interesting or cool or good or whatever and taking the time to find the number, pick up the phone, make sure you're in a quiet space, and then call and then wait online? She probably waited 25, 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. I She called me before I came out here. Yeah. And then I came out here, and then we took two other people's call. And we played some other stuff, and we had a long conversation. And I, I could see her blinking right there. But can you ever see yourself, honestly? Um, honestly, if, if I'm being serious, and and don't judge me, but <laughs> no, I I just I don't think I could actually do that. You don't? I think I just couldn't carry on a care co conversation, and I know how to say that. <laughs> A conversation sure you that well sure on. I know, but I just don't think I could ever get that dedicated. 
I think that you know your opinions. I do. Yeah, so you don't need to... I, I think on your... It, it, it's not interesting for you yet in your life at this point to want to communicate your opinion to somebody else. I mean, do you, when you're in school, do you... Do you can you change your friends' minds with what you say? Can they change your mind? Do people try and uh, uh, well, um, at home, Melissa, I try to change your mind about Eric the Prince. About Prince Eric? Yeah. I, uh, the, I uh, think he's like from Beauty and the Beast. No, wait, from Belle from. The from the Little Mermaid, sorry. No, you're Disney. <laughs> I'm sorry. From Little Mermaid, Eric. She doesn't like him because I she. Butt face. Don't say that. That's terrible. I'm sorry. That was terrible. It's a good thing we're on the Toad Hop network and not on, uh, not on. I don't know some network. I can't believe you just said that. Apologize. I'm sorry. All right. So uh, you do not like uh, Eric the Prince, who's whole, what does he do? He he basically he falls in love with Ariel by hearing her sing, and then he goes off. And he falls in love with Ursula, just like that. No thoughts about Ariel, by the way. And and she likes Eric. She Melissa, your nanny likes Eric. Yeah, she does. And she you really want to try and talk her out of that? Of course. All right. So what's your argument? I want to hear about that. My argument is, if you actually love Ariel, don't go off with another person. But maybe she's sympathetic to the fact that Ursula, the bad person, is is has feelings too. Oh, got you on that one. <laughs> Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Have you heard that song she sings? All right, but in school, when there's stuff to do, I mean, do you, do you find that you guys can... Yeah, we change each other's minds, but... Really? Well, we have to try pretty hard to change each other's minds. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it's just like... It seems to me like to you introduce a new idea like if somebody says did you know that blah 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 and you didn't know that now they they haven't necessarily changed your mind they haven't persuaded you away from something that you like but they have uh it can kind of feel good about having kind of built an alliance with you over that yeah. no yeah no nah. no you have to agree to disagree agree to disagree yeah okay that's what we do mostly but i have one friend who she will get her way there's no way I'm going to be right, so sometimes I just give up. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's easier. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Are there? But and are, the, are those things something that you would? Um, that's Actually, that that matters. No. No. It's mostly about like who's more awesome hmm. and stuff. Well, you know. <laughs> wow. So the uh, it's 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 a good one to concede that one because you, you can afford to because you're pretty awesome. But the. Um, you know, Linda's call to tell me how much she appreciated what I was doing. That you was know, really nice. It was really nice, right? Do you know how many people are probably listening right now, for real, actually? Um, at the house you said 16-something. 16 16,000, yeah. All right, 16,000. But that's, that's, that's probably not who's listening right now. All right, I'm guessing about, wait. Yeah. It's radio, so you don't want to just sit okay, there and think uh, of it. Okay, 3,000. 3,000? I bet that's a good number. All right. I bet that's a pretty good number. So the thing is, now, and then more people will listen to it over time because it's archived, right? Part of my strategy, and this is where, uh, if anybody's listening, we're in the, the bottom minutes of the show, and I'm about to show the game book, dun, show dun, the plant, dum, bum, bum. To me, to by me. having a show, 
It seems to me that by having a show, my strategy, my okay. tactic. Okay, okay, okay. My tactic is that by having a show where everyone is invited to participate, where sometimes your viewpoint is strong and sometimes your viewpoint isn't as strong as others, you end up with people who listen to you because they think you're fair and are therefore maybe on some level level more willing and open to being affected by what you have to say. So uh, persuasion, you know, a lot of the radio shows that are out there, you haven't heard a lot of them. There's a guy named Rush Limbaugh. Have you ever heard of Rush Limbaugh? No, you never heard of Rush Limbaugh? He's a guy who's a conservative host. He's probably the Wait, most... are we talking about radio right now? Radio, okay, yeah. Okay, radio. He's, he's, I think he's the most, in terms of uh, amount of money he makes and amount of listeners and all that, I think he's the most successful uh, radio, at least political commentator. And and, uh, and he just makes people so mad. I mean, I listen to him, and I, you know, maybe five minutes into listening to him, and you can see the smoke coming out of my ears, and my face is turning bright red, and I just... I, my, and I've got fists, and I'm just pounding them on the table, and... Uh, but I don't listen to him that much, so I don't really have to have that experience. But you see, me, I don't, I don't really listen to the radio. I just, you know, I, I stick to regular TV. Well, you listen to your music. Mm, yeah. But Do you listen to podcasts with mom? Mom listens to uh, like Yale, like you know, a Yale professor talking about something or other. On, uh, do you ever? I, I usually don't listen. No. Well, no, listen. But I, I listen to your show because this one here. Yeah, this one. Uh huh. Surprisingly. Nice. Um, that, that's nice. Listen, uh, Jason Swank, who's a Republican guy, conservative. I don't know if he's a Republican. He's a conservative guy um, who's been really helpful on the show. was my first conservative caller, um, other than Frank Luntz, uh, who was kind enough to uh, call in, uh, wrote this on Twitter a little bit ago. He wrote, President Obama across street from me today at 1.30. Maybe I can get him to call in. Oh, my gosh. That would be like awesome well yeah that'd be pretty good and and do you think he's actually going to call in or do you think that's just like i would say it's unlikely <laughs> but i wouldn't put it past jason to make the uh request if the opportunity presented itself um, yeah, that would be really cool i mean oh i'm looking here everyone uh, would be like oh, oh, oh. well what would he what would he he'd be calling in because i wanted to talk to him what would i what should i ask him about um life yeah, or, or I um I don't know. You mean like his family and his his ask, daughters and or you could ask him about his health. Vox Populi. I could stuff about. He would like it. He'd have to say he likes it. Well, he would have to because like there's if no. If you're calling in, you have to say you like the show. No, 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 not on radio. <laughs> no, no, no. People love you at least to call have in. To and... say something. Yeah. I'm just calling in because I can't believe that what you're doing to this country and the things you have to say and blah blah blah. People can get pretty mad, man. Pretty get pretty mad. They haven't gotten mad at me because I'm not saying anything <laughs> offensive. Everything I'm saying that is is a strong point of view. If I if I say a strong point of view, I say it as though I know it's my point of view, and it may or may not be right. Which is not necessarily the same way I would be if I was out campaigning. If I was out campaigning, I might be much more forceful. But in this thing, and this is what Linda was complimenting me about that I really appreciated, was I'm trying to create a forum, an area, a time, and a space where these conversations can happen, and you know. Um, I think it's it's starting to work, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to work. I'm oh here oh here's one. Uh, Scarlett Moriel writes uh, uh, numbers don't lie, but people lie about numbers. And uh, Uncle Mac sent me a quote from uh, Mark Twain, 
that said, uh, get your facts first, uh, get your facts first, and you can distort them as you please. All right. What, do you, what does that mean? Um, you're kind of putting me on the spot here, Dad. Well, listen, listen again. You know who Mark Twain is, right? Wait, I Mark thought, you, were, I like thought you said Sanders. Mac said that. Oh, Mac sent me, sorry, Mac sent me a quote that he thought would be good to use here. All right. So here it is. It's from Mark Twain. Okay. And it says, get your facts first, and then you can distort them as you please. Okay. What is well, it? first it says, get your facts first. That part I understand. Mm-hmm. And then you can distort them as you please. Um, I'm guessing that means and then you can... Uh, Gosh. Yeah, you're close. I'm not good with words. No, Dad. you're right there. You're right there. <laughs> I think it means you can bend them and use them to try and make the point uh, you want to make. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to like say something and then everyone goes, oh, she said something wrong. Oh. I think he's uh, he's being ironical. Ironical? May not be a word. Yeah, ironical. I think it's I think he's ironic. Basic. Ironic? Oh. Because ironical would be like an... What? It Are wouldn't be. It wouldn't be anything. That music's coming up because it means the show's almost oh. over. Oh well then. Oh, I'm sad. <laughs> um, go on. Go on. Listen. You, I want you to sign off to the uh, the listeners, the viewer okay. listeners. Uh, and I'll make a. Oh, wait. Let me say one thing. Um, thanks everybody for calling in. It was a robust exchange. Everybody had good ideas. I really enjoyed playing those clips, those funny ones and the serious ones, the dramatic ones. I think the show was great. I've got more David Bose Pierce next week. I'm going to get to Rosalind Wyman. That interview is just awesome. Um, Mac, there's some more political cartoons. Uh, do, are those up? Are those political cartoons up? We don't have time probably, do we? We don't have time to. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll just enjoy those and and uh, and like that. So my name is Sean Aston. This is Vox Popular, host of the uh, occasion, the voice of the occasionally interested people. And uh, and I'll I'm turn Elizabeth over to you. Aston, co-host of Vox Populi, signing off. That was fun. Well, give him something. Give, right. give him something. All right. Um, All right, Elizabeth. Why don't you take us out? Okay, taking us out. <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, Elizabeth Aston for uh, stepping into the breach and filling in for her uncle, who uh, was otherwise occupied today. You did a great job. I'm incredibly proud of you. Thank You're you. smart and funny and pretty. And uh, uh, oh, you said pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty. Love you, babe. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.